it. Good. Right. Now, in our series looking at values, as Sam put in the notices which went round, we're now looking at values relating to mission. Now, on the Relational Mission website, you've got the uh, three sets of values, which, if I can find my note, I'll remind me the different areas, but they were dealing with doctrine, leadership, and then uh, missional values. I have a bit of an issue with the word missional on the basis that I don't really know what it means, which I suspect is probably because I think different people use it differently, and therefore I've never really settled down as to what uh, it does mean. So I think to make sure we're clear, I think in this context, when we're talking about mission, it's what the church does, particularly in looking into uh, how what we do outside the church as much as inside. So, if we're going to look at what the church does, I think the first question I need to answer today is, what is the church? And then the second question is, what does that mean for us? What does, what does that mean in terms of what we do? So, firstly, I would like to read from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 16 verses 13 to 18 and I think the, uh, the verses will come up on the screen as well so Matthew chapter 16 and from verse 13 now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi he asked his disciples who do people say that the son of man is and they said some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah, one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. <coughs> right, so Jesus has said he will build his church. So what does the word church cover? Now, so what I did was have a look at an online concordance, and looked up the word church, and... It basically gave me the results I expected, but much more extreme than I expected. Now, with two types of exception, from Acts chapter 1 to Revelation chapter 3, there's only one way the word church is used. So overall there's two ways. But the primary way the word church is used in the New Testament is to describe a local group of Christians which meet together and have elders. The exceptions come in Paul's letters, 
in 1 Corinthians 15 and Philippians 3, where Paul refers to himself persecuting the church. So there it's a bit unclear specifically what it refers to. And the only exceptions apart from that to using the word church to mean the local group of Christians gathered together come in two of Paul's letters. In the letter to Ephesians and in Colossians chapter 1. Now I already read the Colossians chapter 1 reference earlier because when I was reading it, well, irrespective of the fact it refers to the church, that's a good thing to read anyway, and it's a good thing to read regularly, because it's, as far as we know, it's one of the early Christian statements of belief, and therefore it's good to remind ourselves of it. So, what I want to just illustrate, the alternative then, is in Ephesians chapter 1, and verse 20 where Paul says from Ephesians 1 verse 20 that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand of the heavenly places far above all rule and authority and power and dominion above every name that is named not only in this age but also in the one to come and he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. It's obviously talking about Jesus. And here it's talking about the church as all the believers are in Jesus. And you get that similarly in chapter 5 of Ephesians, uh, verses 25 to 27. Husbands, Love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendour, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. So again there, he's referring to the church as all those who are believers in Jesus Christ. So we only have these two uses of the word church in the New Testament. Interestingly, in Revelation, again, the reference to the church is to the congregation's meeting. It comes in the first three chapters in the letters to the individual churches. In Revelation, where they reference to all the Christians together from all nations, all countries, all times, it refers to the bride. Now, therefore, when we use the word church, we ought to be thinking of it in the same way. That the church has got, is at two levels. There's the church at the level where we are here as a local congregation, and there's the church which covers all Christians across all ages, across all nations. There isn't, in a biblical sense, any reference to church between those two scales. Now obviously, over centuries, the word church gets used in other ways as well. 
So you might talk about the Methodist Church or the Anglican Church or the Catholic Church. And obviously when we're talking with other people, we have to use the word church in that sort of context that they understand. But I think it's important that we get it in our minds that actually those are not biblical uh, ways of describing the church. So, what does it mean? What are the applications of this for us as a local congregation? Actually, I think I've uh, skipped uh, the uh, bit I said I was going to... Can we have the uh, value up now? Right, so the value I'm actually talking about is local church focused, but this ties into where this comes. Because if we regard the local church as central to the mission and purpose of God, the local church should be the primary focus for Ephesians 4 ministries. Ephesians 4 ministries exist to serve the local church, not the other way round. Now the other two missional uh, statements, which we'll be looking at Sam next week, me in two weeks' time, is expressed locally, globally and holistically. All right. So although today I'm going to be putting a strong emphasis on the local church, it's not the only area we work in. We do look at the global church as well. We don't become inward-looking. And then the one I'm looking at uh, in two weeks' time is we have contextual freedom in application, which sounds good, and I'll try and explain what that means and give some illustrations in two weeks' time. So, what it mean, one of the first things it means is that as a local church, we have the primary responsibility to being light and salt in our community. Light in terms of telling people the good news of Jesus, salt in terms of serving our community and stopping corruption spreading. Because salt, in the biblical sense, isn't something you sprinkle on your chips to give a bit of extra flavour. It's what you put with your meat to pres- or fish to preserve it so it doesn't rot in the high temperatures. And so not only do we have this responsibility, as was well expressed last week by David Barham, that we should you know, be telling those we know about Jesus, but we also have a responsibility to stop rot in our society by the way we serve people in our society. So, if we, we have that primary responsibility, I think in Western Christianity, particularly in this country, I think over the last couple of centuries, there's been a tendency to try and bypass the church in both of those aspects, both in terms of evangelism and in terms of serving the community. So over the last two centuries, you've had a large number of so-called parachurch organisations grow up to try and do those things. Usually because people who have really got on fire by God on those aspects, have got frustrated with the church, appearing not to have any concern for that, 
and therefore have got on and done it. A classic example of that would say be missionary societies, which started in the late 1700s and have continued. Uh, there's probably new ones still being formed even now. Because the church had become, certainly in this country, become very inward-looking, only looking to this, to this country. And people recognise the call in the Gospel to go and tell people from all nations. That's one thing which we, as in the way we would see church, we see that actually this passing on the spread of the good news to the nations is actually the responsibility of the churches, the individual churches, not the responsibility of outside organisations. And so, obviously it's not something we can do, this is one thing where we need to work together, and it's one thing we work together uh, within groups like Relational Mission, which we belong to. But notice, when we talk about relational mission, we don't talk about it as being a church. We don't talk about the relational mission church. When we talk about it, we might talk about the family of relational mission churches and use that kind of terminology because it's the churches working together which can then do more than working separately. And so church planting we would see, rather than sending missionaries out in that sense, that the biblical way of spreading the good news to other areas, to other countries, <coughs> is to send people church planting. And so that therefore we encourage one another in doing that. Doesn't mean that outside groups have got no role but it does mean that their role is to support the church in what it does, not to take responsibility from the church for what the church should be doing. So, for example, with Relational Mission and New Frontiers uh, working in the Middle East, I know that uh, they've worked in parallel with a missionary group which is skilled at working in that area because they have skills and experiences which uh, can help us in doing that. And so there are places for that, and there's things, say, like Bible translation, which would be very difficult for any individual church to do on its own. But churches working together to support people like the British and Foreign Bible Society or Wycliffe translators can enable uh, the Bible to be translated into new languages. Now that means that we as individuals within the church have a responsibility to give to enable that mission to be fulfilled. Because if the primary responsibility for mission in the church is the local churches, that is done with finance from the local church. We're not looking primarily to get finance from outside. Now, we do get some uh, donations from outside for things like uh, Make Lunch, things like Little Angels. But that is not what we're primarily relying on. 
And if those uh, outside finance wasn't there, we would still continue doing it because that's what we feel God has called us to do. Now, I don't know what your history in terms of church and giving is. Everybody will have different experiences, different pasts. I never had any issue with the concept of tithing and I've tithed pretty well since I was a teenager and uh, my parents thought that was amusing because on the basis that they'd already tithed the money anyway so they thought it would have been covered but you know but I felt I need to take responsibility for what I was there but what I always used to do was give half of my tithe to the church and half of my tithe to other Christian bodies you know uh, ones I've got ex- uh, links with or, or interests in like Open Doors or Tear Fund or whatever. When I started coming to this church, the teaching was that you should give your tithe to the local church because the local church is the, uh, uh, the primary focus of God's mission in this country, in the world, locally and further afield. Now, one thing I liked about the church when I joined it was that it was there was a very strong emphasis on the church, and for whatever reason that struck a chord with me. I wasn't so keen on giving all my tithe to the church, and actually it was interesting experience for me because it actually showed up something in my own heart I wanted control over that heart and I wasn't keen on giving up that control particularly as when we first joined the church I had a few I wasn't too sure about some issues in the way the church you know this apostles thing and uh, you know some other things but Actually, that does raise a very, you know, it raises a good question. I know a lot of people smiled when I said that as well. How much control do we want over what happens with our money? And how much are we willing to give that control to others in the ch- by giving through the church? And it's a question all of us have to ask ourselves frequently. Now, it doesn't mean that giving money to organisations outside the church is wrong. And I still do, to some extent. But I think it does mean that if we're going to be serious about the church being the primary, the local church being the primary focus for God's mission, that is where our primary giving should go. And if we've got other areas where we want to support because of historical links we have or people we know that is fine and good but that is should come additionally on that from that and once i was convinced that i ought to be giving all of the tithe to the church it still took a while to get it to that stage because if you've been giving money elsewhere, you can't, it's not necessarily appropriate to suddenly drop, stop it straight off. 
And at that point, you had, rather than gift aid, you had deeds of covenant, so you're committing to giving for about four years at a time. So, you know, there are things to work through. So, it's something where, you know, you need to hear from God what you should be doing. Also, need to be asking yourself frequently, you know, what is the proportion I'm giving? Is it appropriate? How much is uh, what I'm giving going through the local church? How much is giving other ways? And again, there's not always a right answer, but it depends on the circumstances, depends on the times. It could be a different answer at different times, according to uh, your financial uh, situation and what God has brought to your attention but I'll come back to it I think our primary focus if our primary focus is on the local church that's where our primary giving should be second point I want to make is if our primary focus is on the local church there's always a danger of becoming inward looking and there's a danger of leadership becoming autocratic. This is where Ephesian 4 ministries, I think, particularly come to the fore. But notice, as in the thing there, the point is that the Ephesian 4 ministries come and serve the church, rather than the church serving them. We're not in a situation where, if you like, you've got the local church, then you've got the people, you know, the Ephesian Four Ministries, uh, apostles, whatever, above the local church, and then you've got the universal church. The Ephesians Four Ministries are there to enable the local church to be what it should be. So, as I, w- I went through the Ephesians Four Ministries a little while back, but I did say I'd come back to it when I came to this uh, thing. So, for example, we get apostolic input, either directly from apostles like Michael Steph, or from people they've delegated to, which will be the community leaders, uh, such as Adam Vogue and Martin Seagull, to help us. They bring encouragement, and where necessary, correction. Because... It's ultimately, as we've said before, the responsibility for leadership in the church is with the elders. As Sam, I think, did a couple of weeks ago, it is servant leadership. And if the leadership is not going to become autocratic, they need to hear from people outside as well, who've got the apostolic oversight. Doesn't take away from the elders the responsi- their responsibility. But it does help stop elders becoming self-contained because there's always the outward-looking bit. We get input from prophets from outside, those who've got greater gifting than sort of the, I don't want to say run-of-the-mill prophets in the church, but all of us are encouraged by Paul to prophesy. But some have a greater gift in prophecy. That's true in the church. But it's also true that there are 
people with a greater gifting beyond that. Now we haven't had outside input from prophets for a while. So at the moment, Sam is working with Mike Bollinger, who's got particular oversight of that area within relational mission, so that within the near future we can get some input from prophets from outside to help encourage us as a church and to help encourage those who prophesy in the church. Because, as we've already pointed out previously, Ephesians 4 ministries aren't there to do it all, they're to help us to do it. Again, coming back to the local church. And we've already had input last week uh, from David Barham in terms of evangelism as an evangelist. And we'll be looking to get further input from him uh, probably in the new year for the churches in Swale to help us in our evangelism. So we're getting input from that. We get input from teachers and pastors. Part of that obviously is through the elders in the local church. But we also get exposure to those with a, a deeper teaching gift as well through things like Lead, Shepherd, New Day, Jubilee Plus as well as inviting people in to come and speak here so that we aren't, although we are the local church is the primary focus it doesn't mean we don't get input from outside to encourage us in what we do Thirdly, I think this affects our relate, how we relate to other churches. So as I've already said, we tend, when we're talking about how we relate in relational mission and new frontiers, we tend to talk about families of churches. Because it's not a denomination in that sense. We are part of this church we are part of the universal church. This also applies in our relationships with other churches in Faversham area. So we relate to other churches locally, even if their view of church is different from ours, but they are local churches, and we work together with them in churches together in Faversham as you've already seen with the cards I uh, referred to earlier. But on the other hand, either as an individual church or as a group of churches, we do not get involved with churches together in Kent or in England or Britain and Ireland because those are organised, if you like, on denominational grounds and that, which requires, in a sense, you to identify as being part of a particular church, like Anglican or Methodist or whatever. And as we don't recognise a, if you like, intermediate level between the, the local church and the universal church, we're not involved with those. So we're involved where we can be in terms of how we recognise what the church is, but where it's not appropriate, we don't get involved. I think another thing where being part of a, the local church is being important is comes in when we are looking to recruit elders. 
So our basic pattern is that we recruit elders within the local church. It's not a case that, oh, we need another elder, put an advert in a Christian magazine, elder wanted. Now, there can be situations where churches have brought in people from outside, because that's what's appropriate at the time. There can be situations where you might, we're not at that sort of size now, where you might want to advertise for somebody with particular skills to come and work in the church. But that would not mean that they would, in that context, automatically become an elder. So, we look to build up the eldership within the local church. There's a strength there because we know the person. I think also what it does mean is that because we are local church focused, being an elder is not a part of a career structure. You know, you don't start as being an elder in a small church, so you can then get promotion to being an elder in a bigger church and slowly work your way up the system. In the same way, ministry, if God's giving you particular gifting, it's not a career structure. You know, we don't work in the same way as the, the society around us works, which assumes that, you know... So, for example, you could get the assumption often that because Sam is employed full-time and I'm strict, technically a volunteer, that he must be the official top person, if you like, and compared to me. Which, uh, you know, we don't, I don't, I just find it amusing when that happens, but, uh, you know, we are elders together. There isn't a top and a bottom. You know, sometimes Sam will take the lead in things, other things I will take the lead in things because that's what's appropriate at the time. Sorry? Factory's gone, is it? I think I might have switched it off, but the battery is getting low. Right. Anyway, I need to come to an end anyway. And that end is Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 6. So Ephesians chapter 3 from verse 6. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise of Christ Jesus through the gospel. Of this gospel I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power, to me, though I am the very least of all the saints. This grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God, who created all things, so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might be made that's gone now. So that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to the rulers and authorities in their heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is for your glory. Verse 10. So that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. What we are doing is not insignificant. 
what we do as a local church is important and has impact way beyond what we can see happening locally. So, the fact that we see that the mission of the church is primarily through the local church does not mean that it is insignificant. God is using the local churches for his glory and to speak to rulers and authorities in heavenly places. So let's not get discouraged. Numbers might seem low, but God is at work and what we do now when the numbers appear lower, will have a significant effect as much as if we were a much larger group. So let's be encouraged by the local church which God has put us in. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you are King of Kings, Lord of Lords. We thank you that you have chosen to use local churches for your glory. Even, Lord, when we can't see the significance of what we do you are using it and Lord we ask that you would encourage us this week we ask Lord that you would show us something of what you're doing through us that we might be encouraged to know that you are our king you are the one who's reigning on high and you're the one who has a great future for your church for your glory Amen